You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Ladies and gentlemen, I am embarrassed. I am surrounded by an embarrassment of riches here right now. Ladies and gentlemen, two of our most favorite guests are seated at the table together. Roger Deppin, who will be coming up next, and then the, the lion himself, one of the other lions. We have a few lions here. Uh, but Peter Brimelow. <laughs> Peter Brimelow. And I ain't lying either. Uh, Peter Brimelow, editor of BDare.com. You just, you, you walk around the air and just trip over celebrities. And here's Peter, and uh, he's sitting in to say hello for just a few moments. Peter, it's great to have you. Normally you're on for a full featured hour. Tonight you're just stopping in for a cameo. Either way, any way we can get Peter Brimelow is always our honor. How are you doing tonight, my friend? Thanks for having me, James. Great speech today. Well, thank you for saying that. And as a matter of fact, that's one of the things I wanted to pick up on because certainly I wanted to make mention of you in the speech because things have measurably gotten worse in some ways over the course of the last 10 or 15 years. I mean, I think obviously so. Uh, but one of the ways was, you know, you go back, as I mentioned, in the late 2000s, you were still a regular guest on a lot of these uh, cable news shows. Oh, yeah. I made a few appearances. Jared was a regular. Now, I mean, that's all dried up. Uh, so you say, well, that's a, that's a step back, right? But the, but as you know, the, the, the point of the talk today was to say that uh, in so many other ways, our people have really come around. I think actually one of the uh, reasons why the, the administration has gone berserk on the border and why they're taking such fantastic legal risks to, to bring all these people in uh, is because they are frightened. Uh, I don't know whether they're frightened of us, James, or whether they're frightened of Trump, but uh, I think the 2016 election was a, a terrible shock to them. And, and they're, they're very far from having recovered from it. I mentioned that. I, I think it was entirely their overreaction. I don't want to give them pointers and give them hints and give them ideas on how to improve their situation, but I, I think that they overreacted to the threat that he was. He was not, I mean, they saw him as the avatar for, and I, Peter, I, I borrow this from you all the time, white nationalism. And of course, the, you know, I don't like that term necessarily. I know you don't either. It seems kind of militant, standoffish, and make people say, hey, what are you talking about? That's kind of wild. But they, 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 I, I don't object to the term. Well, I, they use it interchangeably with white nationalism. I just don't think, I, oh, of course they do. Yeah, that's the I, I don't think I can claim to be a white nationalist because, you know, I think I'm more, uh, uh, my record shows that I'm more of a civic nationalist. But I think white nationalism is completely in the sense of defending white sure, interests. Sure. It's completely legitimate. And we have people on the side who write for us. No, I, I have. Who God is white nationalist. Like you, and, and, and to be sure that we're clear here, I have no problem with it myself, personally. If you call me a white nationalist, I, I will receive it in the spirit it's intended as a, as a compliment. Yeah, quite frankly, <laughs> but, but here's the thing. The thing is that the media uses it interchangeably with white supremacists, so a lot of times people say, oh, what are you talking about? Anyway, uh, we, we won't uh, uh, chase rabbits on, uh, on, on the definitions of those terms. But now, uh, the, the grand scheme of things, Peter, uh, and, 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 and what we were talking about earlier today is, do you see uh, that there could be some existential crisis that manifests itself in the very near term, not theoretically, not something that maybe generations from now will have a chance to uh, turn the rudder here, but uh, that uh, as a result of the left's overreaction, and I don't think they could stop it. I think they're so drunk on hatred of white people that they, that, that they have no sense of awareness or discernment. I said that earlier tonight. 
Do you believe that we're rapidly hurtling towards something that it's going to... Well, I mean, all it would take, frankly, is 2016 again. <laughs> the, the, uh, no, I mean, at that, that point, when you look at it, they, they that's when it started. Yeah, total control. They control the executive branch and the legislative branch. Now, of course, they threw it all away. But, but from the Democrats' point of view, that's just a spectrum of death itself. And it could happen again. You can't be sure it won't happen again. I think Trump will probably be in prison. I don't think they're going to allow him to come back, no matter what it takes. I hope. I, on one hand, I hope I'm wrong. I'm going to vote for him. I'm going to vote for him because it's the right thing to do. But I, I wonder if it's better for our people if he becomes this martyr. I don't want to volunteer anyone for martyrdom. But nevertheless, if, it, if that's what our, our people need for the greater good, then God's will be done. But... Um, I think that you're right, by the way. I, mean, I don't see any way out of this. It's not that he's guilty of any particular. It's just that they have, they have the judges and they have the jurors in these, in these jurisdictions. And they, they, they could convict a ham sandwich yeah. if, if they wanted to. Well, that's what he's facing. I mean, uh, and, and I, again... And the terrible thing is that they've also... I mean, the, 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 the response to this would be normally mass demonstrations. And that's, I think, why they spent so much time crushing the Jim Jason. Exactly. And Charlottesville. I mean, if you learned any lesson, what was the lesson they wanted to transmit from J6 to Charlottesville? If you're a dissident, if you don't go along with the narrative of the system, you better not come out of your house because you're going to go to jail. Because it's the anniversary of, of Charlottesville today. Which was a total coincidence. Jared didn't plan it for that reason, but it, it just, I mean, my God. Uh, that was serendipitous in some ways. But uh, anyway, nevertheless... Uh, so, is it, it is it better for us, in your opinion, that uh, Trump win or lose? Well, it's obviously better that he win. Uh, uh, oh, here's the real question. If he does win, and pardon the interruption, but this is the question I meant to ask. If he does win, do you think he will come in with a vengeance that we didn't see in 2016 when he populated his administration with neocon retreads, or do you think he'll... Make the same mistake. It, it almost one. doesn't matter, you know. At least, at least the, the communists will be out of there. Uh, they, they, they won't be able to dismantle the country at the pace they're doing now. Uh, I think, I think probably we will see quite a lot of uh, uh, revenge from Trump. And I also think we'll see. Who knows? They'll, they'll probably accuse him of being a, a Martian agent. They just, just invent something else. I mean, they, they are terrified of him winning. And, and the problem is, they, they now know that he can win. That's interesting because, I mean, even according to their polls, he never led in a system poll against either Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden, but he's leading now. And I think that that's remarkable because you've had, since Hillary Clinton, you, since 2016, you've had another seven years of demographic uh, replacement. It's a bit like the Terminator, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> throwing things at him. And, uh, and well, and so where are these people coming from? And, 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 you know, they just, can't, they just can't get him down. Is it the economy that's kind of buoyed him in the polls? I mean, what do you think? How has he turned it around? I think that he has successfully established himself as a, as a, sim, a symbol for white America. And, 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 uh, yeah, and, and it, it, it's beyond uh, reason. It's, it's not, it's not a, a totally rational yeah. thing. He's almost like a Jungian figure. Uh, you know, uh, he has, and he has all the right enemies. Yeah, yeah, sure yeah, does. That's, you know, I mean, of course, he drives everybody crazy. One of the paradox about Trump is the people who most support his policies. <laughs> because he can't, he can't be relied upon to, to do anything. Uh, but then he can't rely on not to do anything either. And that's the problem the Democrats have. He, he's capable of anything. A lot of the gifts that he has given to us perhaps were inadvertent. Uh, but maybe he will be the modern-day Samson that just brings the whole showdown uh, on top of the set. Or maybe it'll take something. But I think whatever happens with him, he's going to be a necessary stepping stone to the next 
phase of our people's evolution. Peter, we've got about a minute remaining. Feeder.com, folks, if you're not there every day, if you're not supporting the work of Peter and Lydia Brimelow and Feeder.com, I mean, this is one of the... If, if, if the movement were a tripod, you would be one of the legs along with American Renaissance, and I can't even think of who the third one would be. I mean, that, that you, you are a foundational cornerstone of, of everything. Of well, that's very kind of you to say that, James. Uh, I, so I, you have to come to the castle sometime. I would love We're going to come when you put that dragon back up at Christmas time. Okay. <laughs> Peter. Actually, I'm serious about it because we, we, we want that castle to be a place where distance can have conferences, and the town is completely supportive. So, so uh, you know, so everybody out there who wants to have a conference, uh, get in touch with us. Yeah, the, the media really has to hustle to find somebody uh, in town that'll say anything uh, less of glowing praise. Uh, right. Peter Bimelow, everybody, we're coming up on our next break. It's a great Peter Bimelow. I Lydia's copy from the table down the hall. <laughs> The Honorable Cause of Free South is a collection of 12 essays written by Southern Nationalist authors. The book explores topics such as what is the Southern nation, what is Southern nationalism, and how can we achieve a free and independent Dixie. The Honorable Cause answers questions on our own terms. The book invites readers to understand for themselves why a free and independent Dixie is both preferable and possible. The book pulls in some of the biggest producers of pro-South content, including James Edwards, the host and creator of The Political Cesspool, Ann Wilson-Smith, author of Charlottesville Untold, Arkansas congressional candidate and activist Neil Kumar, host and creator of the Dissident Mama podcast, Rebecca Dillingham, author of A Walk in the Park, My Charlottesville Story, Identity Dixie's Patrick Martin, and yours truly, Michael Hill, founder and president of the League of the South, as well as several other authors. The Honorable Cause is available now at Amazon.com. Introducing Managed IT Services from NPI. We offer top-notch data backup and recovery, email spam protection, and network security tailored to your needs and budget. With 20-plus years of experience in the medical field, our HIPAA-certified consultants know what it takes to protect sensitive information. Don't settle for less. Give us a call at 801-706-6980 and experience the difference with Managed IT Services. Remember, your IT support should be fast, efficient, and reliable. Introducing PrepStartsNow.com, your ultimate guide to readiness and peace of mind. We offer practical preparedness tools, training, and education to take your family's household readiness to the next level. Browse the prep shop for essential products, check out our planning guides, and stay informed with our prep blog. Visit PrepStartsNow.com and subscribe to our emails for exclusive offers, new products, and future events. Remember, preparedness begins with PrepStartsNow.com. They keep it up. It's up there. Keith, am I right? Is it an embarrassment of riches around us? I mean, everybody who hops on is just somebody that we would normally dedicate an entire show to. And we have one after another. Uh, but also to, it is the place, as I like to put it, where ideas and solutions present themselves. You have to have this sort of person fellowship and camaraderie uh, to have this exchange uh, of solutions and uh, we have a rare bird here. This guy uh, has a fucking two cane. Well tell us uh, I know 
that you are a very big personal fan of Dr. F. Roger Devlin. Close as you can. You're coming in. And his white He's like a Colossus. He, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> you'll take that, uh, you'll take that, Colossus. Uh, you, you, you'll take that, won't you, Roger? Yeah, Col yes. Colossus? Yeah, Colossus. I got the weight of a Colossus. <laughs> <laughs> but his book. Oh, Sexual Utopia in yeah, Power. Yeah, right. it has a uh, steam place in my library. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's say hello to him. And he's, hey, Keith, he's got your seersucker suit on. I I'm surprised yeah. you didn't wear the seersucker night at Labor Day yet. We're dressed the same way. I'm wearing what he was wearing. And yesterday, and, and yesterday I was wearing what he was wearing earlier today, I think. Of, well, I kind of split it now. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, Keith had a, 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 ward, a wardrobe change. It's like a, uh -huh. one of these, uh, you know, big star like Keith. wasn't you, a wardrobe malfunction. No. <laughs> Your big star like Keith, it's like uh, some of these pop stars, they got to go into the dressing room in yeah. between their numbers, and they come out in a different outfit. That was Keith tonight. I, I saw him, and then yeah. he came back and said, uh, he, he's dapper, that's for sure. Well, anyway, Roger. Great to have you back. It's always good to talk to you, but always better uh, even still to talk to you in person. Live, so yeah. let's talk about the takeaways from the conference. I want you <laughs> to paint a verbal picture for everybody listening tonight who cannot be here, what they've missed. Written oh, words. oh, well, now uh, you want me to talk about the talks? Well, you talk oh, about the, anything, yeah, the experience, sure, sure. the atmosphere, the talks. Well, I, I personally, I, uh, I was very happy to meet Ricardo Duchesne, yes, somebody yes. whose uh, work I've admired a long time. And uh, so, and I see him back there, yes. actually. He gave a right very uh, highbrow talk on, on liberalism, how the problems with liberalism go, you know, they're not recent, they go all the way back to John Locke. They're based, you know, they're they're grounded in the, in the, in the basic philosophy of liberalism. And that's a, that's an idea I've been... Um, wrestling with every day myself now because I'm translating Alanda Benoit's book on, on uh, called Against Liberalism. I was just telling Professor Duchesne that, you know, th their thinking is very much along similar lines. Uh, so either either man is well worth reading on the on the subject of liberalism. I you know I'm glad you mentioned him and as soon as you spoke his name he appeared. I see oh, him back okay. there yes, at the yes. table looking uh, wearing that hat. Yeah, wearing his hat. Yeah. What, what kind of hat is that, Keith? Fedora. Oh, that's a uh, no, that's a. Uh, Keith's trying to pick it's it up. It's not a fedora. It's, a, it's like a fifties. Frank Sinatra. Sinatra. Yeah, it has like a Sinatra hat. Yeah, Sinatra. There you go, Sinatra. But didn't okay. he wear a fedora, Sinatra? Well, I don't know. I think it didn't get a Jones okay. Okay. fedora. Okay. Nevertheless, uh, we, I think we can all agree that Ricardo Duchesne is uh, well dressed tonight. Uh, well, uh, and of course, you gave a great talk, very upbeat. I, I'm amazed at your ability to be upbeat. I think, in a way, you're like me. You, you, uh, there are some people who have. Like um, Greg Hood, now he gave a good talk. Now he has zero illusions about the regime we live under. I think he's, uh, but but you and I occasionally um, are not quite cynical enough. Like you were talking about how you thought you were going to win that uh, lawsuit when they called you a sure leader. Did, yeah. Sure, how could you not? It was all, I mean, it was slam dunk, yeah, black and yeah, white. Yeah, I love uh, any opportunity I can to retell that story. And I take advantage of it. I mean, it was, you, it, that was literally the case you could not lose. Yeah, the, as you say, it's like a textbook example of defamation, saying somebody's in the Klan. 
But Sam Dixon knew, you know, Sam Dixon knew you were going to lose. He told, <laughs> he, he told you. He sure did. And, and, and I, think, I think Greg Hood's got that same, you know, perfect cynicism about the regime. I've come along, as yeah. I said, as I yeah. said, in 2017, I put my hand on Sam's shoulder. I said, Sam, look, I'm not doing this to prove a political point with this lawsuit. You don't want to be known in a majority non-white area as the leader of the Klan. I've done it because I feel as though I've been damaged. I think it's threatening to my family. I, sure. I think that you gotta, you got you to gotta fight this. Uh, and he said, I'd lose. I put my hand on his shoulder and said, I'm going to restore at least a little bit of your faith. I think I, I, yeah. I think it's going to, the law on our side. Yeah. Well, he told me better. He said, there is never, there is right. no chance the system is going to reward uh, and, and find in your favor. And boy, not only did they not, they did it in the most absurd way imaginable. Sure. Keith? Well, what it shows is the total corruption of our judicial system now. You are sorting people to the uh, court that will not give people that are dissidents due process. See, it's just like the Brown-Hilton Board of Education works. In that case, they normally decide about cases based on start sizes, case precedent, or else if it's a statute or a constitutional matter, it's legislative history or statutory construction. In the Brown case, they threw all of that out the window and based the decision on some black sociologist half baked dog The real departure. Well, that's what they, they based yours on Aesop's face. <laughs> James, yeah, go ahead, James the, the law was on your side, but the lawyers were against you, and that, that's all that matters well, this now. Is what, what matters lawyers is and judges. whose yeah. side you're on. If right, you're on the yeah. side of the system, you're going to win, or you're on the side of um, our yeah. side, you're not. Yeah. Well, it was referred to the action judges. Yeah, yeah the, the jury of my peers. Well, anyway, uh, anyway, uh, the, uh, the, the point is, as recently as 2017, I still had a shred of hope that, you know, yeah. uh, through, through the, the, the process... Uh, elect the right people. We, I have now no hope in the uh, the justice system, the so-called, right. as Sam puts it, the, puts so it, the just us system, yes. J-U-S-T slash U-S, just us system, or in the elections themselves. So this is where I am now, Roger, where I yeah. wasn't quite in 2016 when we filed that lawsuit is, right. I don't want to make America great again. I want to leave it behind and learn from mistakes. But it, it, nevertheless, uh, with a couple of minutes remaining, continue to share your reflections and a, observations from the conference. That's amazing uh, what wonderful people were able to gather here. Uh, Ruben Collett came all the way from Estonia. He was, prevented, he was prevented from coming a couple of times because of the COVID mandates. He didn't want to take the vaccine, but he was able to come in person this year. I, I, uh, so I just uh, got to greet him again. I was in, you know, I I was in Tallinn, as we were discussing yeah, last right. six, yeah. six weeks ago. I was in his country addressing uh, a, co a conference that he was also at, and uh, and now he's. Uh, Y'all been on both sides of the yeah, white world right, together the yeah. last uh, over the course of this summer. Now, yeah, and you did a great job, by the way, that night, Roger, when you last appeared with us, which was just earlier this summer, and breaking down that uh, wonderful gathering in the capital that, of the. That's right. Uh, three conferences in uh, one month. It was you were all over time. the place. Yeah, yeah. Of course, we ran on June the 27th a copy of speech Correct. On our website. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. On our website, we posted Roger's uh, speech, which uh, one of the speeches you gave during yeah. the International Tour yeah. of Europe. Well, hey, Roger, tell us, uh, what are you working on now? You're always up to something. Uh, yes, yes. Hamlet, Occidental Descent, reviews, articles, you name it. Uh, well, I, I'm translating now. I do, I'm translating for Greg Johnson some works by Alain de Benoit, as I mentioned. 
I just completed a, a few weeks ago a book on populism, and I gave a speech on that in Europe, and uh, that book should be out any week now. And I'm in the middle of uh, another book by Alain de Benoit on liberalism, against liberalism it's called, and that should be out next year from Countercurrent Currents Books. Now he's a fascinating figure. Yes. Uh, he cast a, another guy that cast a wide shadow, but that not everybody in our listening audience may be familiar with. Uh, so tell us a little bit about he's a, he's a French philosopher, but he's not an academic. He's uh, retained his freedom by staying outside the academic world. And, uh, and you know, just living as a you know as a freelance writer, and he's very productive. He turns 80 this year. I only ever got to meet him once at uh, Washington Summit, I think, a conference uh, some years back in in Washington D.C. But uh, yeah, he's pretty highbrow, but he's he's fairly accessible for you know any anybody with half an education. Uh, uh, you might you might uh, take a take a look at my speech on on populism to get an introduction to a few of his recent ideas. So as you work on, on these translations, they'll be at counter hyphen yeah. currents. Yes, yes. The the trans and yes. In fact, Greg uh, Johnson is serializing the translation. It's coming out as I do it, and then uh, it, when it's all done, it'll come out in book form. Roger's so big, one movement stalwart is just not enough to contain him. You can find him at Countercurrents and Red. Well, you Anne wrote Wren. the review for the Honorable That's Cause. right. That's right. And uh, I, uh, I want to thank you for that again. Keith, we've got seconds remaining. Mm -hmm. And he's the only sexologist I know in my movie. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I write for uh, Ox, uh, Occidental Quarterly and uh, occasionally for there as well. Those are my all of the life. all of the big dogs. Wonderful, yeah, yeah. All of the big dogs. Well, that's wonderful. Roger Devlin, everybody. Hey, let's hear it for Roger yeah. Devlin. Thank you. Exposing corruption. Informing citizens, pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Jerry Barmash. The Fulton County DA is expected to present the Trump case to a grand jury as early as Monday. Former Georgia Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan has confirmed to the AJC he has been called to testify to the Fulton County Grand Jury on Tuesday. This means Fonnie Willis will have to begin presenting her case regarding allegations of Donald Trump conspiring to overthrow the 2020 election results in Georgia as early as Monday. Willis has said for a few months now that an announcement on an indictment would be coming this month. The Fulton County Sheriff's Office has up security at the courthouse and surrounding streets have been closed. If an indictment is sought, this will be the fourth indictment the former president has faced in recent months. I'm Scott Kimmler. Ahead of any potential indictment in Georgia, Trump met supporters at the Iowa State Fair on Saturday. I voted for Trump the first two times. If he's a candidate, I will definitely vote for him again. Um, I think it would be nice to have somebody come in with less drama and trauma. Polls, though, show Trump with a commanding lead over his GOP rivals, despite the indictments. The death toll in Hawaii is at least 80. That would make it the second deadliest wildfire in U.S. history. Hawaii's attorney general is conducting an official review into the state's response to the devastating wildfires in Maui. The probe will also focus on the lack of warning sirens ahead of the state's worst natural disaster. 
A ban on assault-style weapons is being upheld by the Illinois Supreme Court. A law banning assault-style rifles and high-capacity magazines was passed by state lawmakers in January and signed into law by Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker. It came about six months after the Highland Park mass shooting. It killed seven people. The law faced months of legal challenges with opponents arguing It violated both the state and U.S. constitutions. I'm Dave Collins. This is USA News. As a dentist, I know what my patients are saying during times when they really can't speak. She says her gums are irritated. Is there anything you can do? Absolutely. You can try New Crest Advanced Gum Restore. Yep, New Crest Advanced Gum Restore. It detoxifies below the gum line to restore your gums back to health in just seven days. Exactly. Healthy gums, healthy mouth. New Crest Advanced Gum Restore. Healthy, beautiful smiles for life. Hi, this is Michael, creator of Michael's MNP Supplements. Let's talk energy. Do you wake up tired even after a full night's sleep? Does keeping up with your family and or your job leave you exhausted by noon? Do you find yourself turning way too early in the day and too often to caffeine-loaded drinks just to get you through it all? Why not turn to Michael's MNP's Energy... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we have done a lot of remote broadcasts from uh, many different events over the years. But I am hard-pressed to find at the halfway point of any given show where we have had this many guests who could demand uh, or command, rather, an entire uh, show or at the very least an hour by themselves. So far tonight, you have heard live from the floor of the 2023 American Renaissance Conference, not on the uh, phone, uh, not dialed in, uh, but here with us in person across the table from us, Ruben Callop. Stephen McNallan, Brad Griffin, Peter Brimelow, Roger Devlin, and now joining us, uh, one of my all-time favorites, Mark Weber, is back with us live, and uh, he is here right now. Mark, how are you doing tonight? It's great to be across the table from you. It's it's great being with you. I'm with you and uh, Keith here this evening. We've been on the air together, and I'm happy. Um, I, I don't know if anybody else has said this, but you gave a great talk. This uh, thank you. Well, Mark, you know, as I told you, <laughs> thank you guys. As I told you, to have that compliment come from you meant uh, certainly a little bit extra. And I appreciate you saying that. And I made sure to make mention of you during well, that particular you. talk uh, to invoke the name of Mark Weber is what made it so good. But. Uh, yeah, you have been on the show so many times, Thank but uh, the first time uh, to be with us live uh, and in I person. I, yeah. I haven't seen you in person in, in some years, and so right. I was so delighted last night when right. we ran into each other. But anyway, uh, let's let's ask you the same question we're asking everybody else to start off with, your takeaways and observations from the conference so far. I think this is one of the most upbeat or uh, encouraging conferences, and the reason for that is that what we're what people say at this conference is more relevant more pertinent and more um, obviously true than it has been in the past people talking theoretically about uh, uh, racial social realities cultural reality, realities in america in the past often did so in a kind of theoretical general way here it is relevant to what's really happening now because we're in a, in America today things are breaking down in a way that's obvious to just about everyone now 
That's that's really clear. And it's, so it, it's more relevant than it has been in the past, I think. Is there any sort of schizophrenia in play here? Because as you say that, I agree with everything you're saying. Certainly, I said it earlier today myself. But uh, uh, in many ways, things are, are worse than they've ever been before. But at the same time, uh, there are reasons for optimism that didn't exist yes. before. Well, how do we... Uh, because because they settle often, that. because first and foremost people need to be aware that we have a problem and this problem's been in place for a long time and it's only the the hard knocks of reality that are crashing in on us from all sides that are making people aware that the issues that we've been talking about for a long time really matter they really matter and more and more people are aware of that and and, it's, and one of the important things that you did in your talk was cite as a specifics, chapter and verse, of a whole lot of examples to show how many millions of Americans now are acknowledging things they would not have acknowledged or not talked about openly a few years ago. Situations and circumstances has forced this moment right, uh, that right. uh, perhaps uh, I, I, if even with our very best efforts, we couldn't have brought the people right towards. Well, and it's inevitable because we've been on a on a path for a long time by leaders who are carrying out policies based on false premises about life, about history, about reality, and the inevitable the inevitable result is the crisis that people see all around us. Uh, you know. I don't think you have to have an oracle to see that we are probably, or, or be an oracle to see that we are probably heading towards something in the very near future that uh, is, is going to usher in some sort of a resorting. Now, of course, at the same time, Mark, as you know, people have been saying that for decades, right. <laughs> but we've never quite right. gotten there. Right. But do you believe that it could be nearer right. now than in the, in the 70s, any day now it's going to collapse? Right. But I, I've did. been hearing this kind of predictions for many, many years over my lifetime. I have a more of a lifetime experience right. than you have. but. But now this is borne out by even a general, a widespread awareness that we're yeah, really, these are really big problems. It's not just charts showing increase in the national debt or those kind of things. It's a real sense, not only that these problems are bigger, but none of our leaders, and I mean Republican or Democrat, offer any plausible, really credible idea about how this can be made better, how this is going to turn around. That's the really most important thing. People have lost faith and confidence in our leaders, both Republican and Democrat, to turn things around. That's the that's a big difference. Okay, I mean, yeah, certainly it is, and uh, so here we are. Uh, but do you think? And this was another point that I, I I made today. Do you think that what is happening with Trump will be enough in itself to spark the sort of upheaval that's going to have to happen before uh, things are settled, uh, or will it? Be something a little bit more dramatic and unfortunate than that. Uh, for me, Trump has always been an expression of things breaking down, a reaction by lots of people who are very unhappy. Uh, he's not. The, the big difference from 2016 is that when he was elected in 2016, many people believed his slogan: "He was going to make America great again." Now, I don't think people believe he's going to make America great again. They're registering their protests. They're registering yes, their frustration. Yes, this is a anger. great point. This is an important thing, yeah. And and uh, Donald Trump, I mean, even if you like Donald Trump, you have to admit uh, he didn't succeed in doing nope. a lot of the things he said. A lot of mistakes, and obviously. Even even appointing people 
uh, to high positions that later he said well, no almost way. unfathomable mistakes that he made he populated his entire administration with the exact people that he campaigned against right but i wonder you know and i don't know if this is too uh, too much of an over-the-top comparison if it's sort of like napoleon in exile he's gone down to mar-a-lago over the last four <laughs> years and now he's coming back uh, but I asked this question of Peter Brimelow, and I could probably be convinced either way of this. Is it better for us if he wins or if he uh, is, is martyred? If he wins, uh, the you might say the deep state, the powerful establishment, even the military, I think, would not even accept the results of such an election. Really? You think it would be that side that, that side, doesn't exist? That's, yeah, that bad, that bad. Yeah. I, so, I mean, I, I, I cannot see how millions of people who... Uh, I believe in the trajectory we've been going on, and I mean the uh, military deep state would accept the results of, of something like that. Well, I think you're right, uh, Mark. I think that if you win a coup, you always have to have the military on your side, and I think we're basically at that point. If Trump wins, somehow they will find a way by hook or crook for him not to serve if it's assassination, if it's in imprisonment, or, you know, uh, a coup d'etat or whatever. They're going to make sure that there is not a second term of Donald Trump. And where that will leave us is, you know, in uncharted territory. I, I would ask you this very quickly, Mark, that Trump is, is leading according to their polls. He never led against Clinton. Or... He's leading only among Republicans. I, I, I don't think he's leading. There right was a real, there was one real clear politics poll that showed him leading over Biden. I mean, obviously okay. within the margin of that error. That may change. Yeah. But, but within the margin yeah. of error, I okay. mean, it's very scant. But yeah. but it never happened against uh, Hillary or against Biden right. in the first time that he led in any poll at any time. Right. Uh, and I, I wonder if that's accurate, where these people are coming from. Do you think it's the economy that's bringing them back in? This it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big disappointment with the whole system because Biden, uh, many people have forgotten this, when Biden took office, he promised he was going to eliminate systemic racism in America. <laughs> but where's the delivery on that? Where's the delivery on all Well, they, if they eliminate it, they can't keep bilking it. Well, that's true, too. That's true. But to go back to your point, Biden is reelected again. The great question is, will millions of Americans who are very unhappy do anything really to oppose it, or will they just sit that's the thing. That, that, that's, that's what the I'm understanding. Well, that's why I think it may not be the Trump election itself. I don't think that makes it hard enough on the people yet who are certainly coming uh, around to our way of thinking. I don't think Trump losing the election itself is going to be enough. Watch out, Keith. Uh, to to bring about the, I think it's going to be something like an economic collapse or a world war. Well, it, yeah, I mean, it, when when civilizations, when societies fall apart, how do they do it? The answer is slowly and then quickly. <laughs> yeah, I said that yeah, today. I said it right. very, very gradually, then all at once, and then fast, and then quickly. But but, it, it, but is there anything protecting the United States from suffering? Well, I say suffering, just experiencing the same ebbs and flows of civilizations and empires throughout the America's situation is a lot better than many other empires because we still have tremendous resources, there's a large internal market, the dollar is still number one world reserve currency. America still has some big cards to play. It still is, has advantages like this. At the same time, it's a, city, a, a, a society now that doesn't even have any clear narrative of its own identity as a country. I mean, our Democrat leaders, the leaders of our establishment repudiate all that our forefathers and the founders of the country stood for. How can a country go to the, in the future when it has no identity of, of its uh, and sense of its own past? 
I mean, those, that's just one example of how this is a really systemic, I mean, really deeply ingrained crisis. But the question is, will millions of Americans who are unhappy simply just accept it because they don't want to sacrifice anything, they'll just go along, or will there be some real reaction, I mean a brave reaction? One of the amazing things about all the talk about the insurrection of, June, of January 6th is how ineffectual and how unplanned and how unorganized it was. Well, they weren't even armed. It was no insurrection. You can't have an insurrection right. with unarmed grandmas. Well, they didn't even know what they, I think they were going to do once they got into the building anyway. Amen. But, yeah, they were just milling around. But the point is, the point is, will there be any more real um, follow through or action or something? They're going to have to get uncomfortable first. They're going to have to suffer first. Right. I mean, that's the only people who are comfortable don't take risks. Anyway, okay. Mark Weber, IHR.org, one of my very favorites, this guy. Mark Weber, give him the big round. Hey there, TPC family. This is James Edwards, your host of The Political Cesspool. Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-88-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net. In Message 1, we said that Satan, the father of lies, John 844, gave the left evil, spiritual power, the more they use the lies. The political left today is the beast. Now the Bible confirms that the dragon gave him, the beast, his power. Revelation 13, 2. The extra evil spiritual power that comes from the beast by their lying is what accounts for the string of the leftist criminals in the government that have never yet been prosecuted. It also explains why American capitalists support communism in the 21st century. Note 1. That behavior of capitalists was predicted by Vladimir Lenin, a cell of the beast. Note 2. Henry Ford was a capitalist, and he would have never gone communist. The difference between Ford and the present day end-time capitalists is that Ford was born and educated in the Kingdom of Christ, 19th century America, the New Jerusalem, Revelation 21. Well, greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the political cesspool, the premier uh, broadcast, really in the world in this age of, uh, of global outreach that we uh, take for granted now. Uh, I'm sitting in for James Edwards. This is Rick Tyler. We're at the American Renaissance Conference, of course, which it's been another uh, stellar event thus far. Everybody, I think, is uh, really enjoying it. I'm getting nothing but positive feedback as I talk to people. I'm always you know, interested in what everybody else is uh, ascertaining about an event such as this and Jared Taylor never fails uh, to come forth with an event that you you look back reflectively and you say you know I thought the last one was going to be the best that I'd ever been to but now this one surpasses the previous years 
So part of the reason for that, though, uh, on this particular event that we're at right now is James Edwards being here in the flesh, in person. Uh, James gave a, a phenomenal talk. It was extremely well received by the audience. I was gauging the reaction of the crowd and watching everybody. And uh, James, I've heard James speak a number of times, and he never, he never fails uh, to give a very, very exciting, stimulating talk. There's just something about James, just like on the air. He's a natural, if there ever was one. Well, he also is as a public speaker. Uh, he's got a natural gift, and you can tell that he's uh, shooting straight and talking from the heart. And he has a very, uh, very keen uh, power of observation. And, of course, the title of his message today was about... Uh, the cause and the reason for optimism. And he did really make a good case for that while not looking at it through rose-colored glasses, just citing the facts that we are witnessing the pendulum begin to swing in the right direction. Now, you know, we have light years to go as far as ever bringing about restoration or revival in our, uh, you know, very uh, moribund, you know, culture as it stands right now. But James nevertheless cited the statistical realities that a great many people uh, who are, you know, heretofore have just been kind of blasé and lackluster, they are starting to get it. They're starting to understand that maybe too little too late. And like I said, James wasn't being uh, glib or, you know, looking at it through rose colored glasses. He was being realistic. But again, the title of his message, uh, you know, it being a cause for optimism was right on point. And it's good to have the balance uh, to be realistic, but at the same time, uh, not be overly pessimistic, as you know, many people tend to be. Usually, people either go one way or the other, uh, white pill or black pill, you know, optimism or pessimism. But we're getting a good, healthy dose of, of you know, realistic critique of the state of affairs at this Amarin conference, while at the same time, the understanding and realization that there is a lot to be uh, optimistic and cheerful about. Now, I'm sitting across the table right now from Pete Quinones. And he has a podcast, and he's going to tell us a little bit about it, if you're not familiar with it, as to, uh, you know, the, the when uh, the podcast can be heard and the content. And, Pete, take it away. Yeah, the podcast is seven years old. It was formulated as uh, the Free Man Beyond the Wall podcast. It was strictly libertarian up until, well, things started changing in 2019, but COVID definitely put it over the edge for me, and I started creeping ever farther right. So um, it's gone through a bunch of changes, covering theory, covering history, covering just the whatever was happening that day. But it's really turned into more of like a revisionist history podcast where I have people on to come on and destroy some of the myths. I think that when you look at, when you look at the way things are today and um, as my friend Thomas calls it, that we live under the Nuremberg regime, that really the one way to start to destroy that regime is to change people's perception of what World War II was. So that's something that I've been really trying to concentrate on for the last year, year and a half, is really going hard at the World War II narrative and, you know, throwing other things in there you know talk about um i had matthew raphael johnson dr matthew raphael johnson on the other day and we um talked about the history of ukraine and um going, we went back you know centuries and brought it to today why that's happening so yeah just trying to change people's perceptions of what history is because i think if people 
people have a tendency to look at what's happening today and judge it by what happened 70, 75 years ago. And if they're judging it upon something that is a falsehood, then what you're seeing in the world today, their vision of the world and what it should be and what they're willing to accept is going to be false as well. Well, it is indeed true that if someone doesn't know the facts about history, there's no way that they can possibly interpret the present, and certainly they you know, can't prognosticate accurately about the future. So I was thrilled to, to stumble upon a, a book called The Forced War here this weekend at a very good price, and I had somewhere along the way lost my copy of that book, but it used to be uh, distributed or made available uh, through, uh, I believe, American Free Press or maybe even its predecessor, The Spotlight, and uh, it's here on one of the book tables today, and it's, it's a great uh, treatise, you know, about what really uh, led to and caused World War II. And Dr. Johnson, of course, does a, a great job. He's uh, very, very interesting to listen to. Uh, former, uh, I guess, university professor, and, and you, you don't have any hard time or trouble uh, recognizing that and believing it when you listen to him. He really knows the facts, especially when it comes to Russia. Well, I'm sitting in this chair, and I think Mark Weber was sitting in the chair before me. Mark Weber started me down the path of this 25 years ago. Um, I was introduced to IHR 25 years ago, and then I started questioning that part, that specific part of the narrative of World War II, which seems to be the overarching morality that we're supposed to live under. And um, yeah, so, so being here and seeing people, especially a, a, a legend of historical revisionism by Mark Weber is, is exciting to me. and. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, this has been, this is my first Amran, so this, you know, I, I was excited. I, my hands were, I, I don't really get fan, like I turn into a fanboy when meeting people, but meeting Mark Weber today, I was just like, I think my hands were shaking. <laughs> yeah, well, Mark, Mark's a great guy and a great talent and a great intellect uh, of the, the, the movement, and uh, it, is, it is really exciting and, and uh, you know, great to be around people like that. These events are so important for that reason. And there's no substitute for, for being with, you know, people uh, present with them in the flesh like this. And uh, we know that COVID obviously put a big damper on the ability to, to hold events like this. Amran, of course, missed, missed, you know, one year because of that. Thank heavens that uh, everything's back in motion and forward gear. Now, you mentioned, again, your associate that, that refers to our era, our time being the Nuremberg. What did, how did you phrase it? The Nuremberg regime. Uh, basically, he, he's a former lawyer. And he looked at how the law was, basically they created law at Nuremberg to prosecute and execute these men. They were just basically looking at, hey, what did you do? Okay, we're, we're creating a law on the spot that that's illegal. And then they decided to execute all these people. Um, and then when you look what happened afterwards, you know, how Fascism, fascism is such a danger that um, Frankfurt School people like Theodore Adorno, Adorno wrote the authoritarian personality where he has the F scale and however you score on that, it's where you, your potential to be a fascist. And when you look at everything that they were criticizing in that book, it's basically right-wing, historic right-wing thought, family, religion, um, justice, and, and swift justice in many cases. And by naming it the Nuremberg regime, basically what you're looking at is you're 
that right-wing thought has become criminal since Nuremberg. You know, I, people want to argue, oh, the Nazis were left-wing, the Nazis, you know, the National Socialists were left-wing, that doesn't matter. What matters is what came out of that. And it looks like what came out of the Nuremberg, what came out of Nuremberg was, if you have any kind of historic right-wing thought, you're a thought criminal. And you are, we see it today, you're less than human. All you have to do is label somebody a Nazi and their life doesn't mean anything anymore. They can be killed, that you can punch a Nazi, you can kill a Nazi, and you're a hero. Of course, there are commies running around government, uh, academia, everywhere. And you, if you mention their crimes um, and you try to relate them at all, equivocate with uh, anything the National Socialists were accused of, oh, you're just equivocating and that's not allowed. And they can just run rampant and do whatever they want. They can basically control policy, and it's fine. You know, they, the, the, the commun, you know, the, the Nazis were, the National Socialists were, the fascists were um, evil, just e just the epitome of evil. And the communists were, they, they meant well. They just screwed up a little bit. Well, you know, there's nothing more odious than when under the color of law there's the pretense of justice. And Nuremberg was the epitome of, of absence of due process. And it really was a, the, uh, maybe, you know, one of the ultimate mockeries of justice, uh, no different than a Soviet-style show trial. And if, unfortunately, the, this is what we're becoming accustomed to in our country today. And so I think that's a very apropos, uh, you know, label that, that you all have come up with there, uh, that this is a Nuremberg regime we're under now. That really does drive the point home. And of course, for people who don't get it right off the bat, it might cause them to, for the first time, consider uh, Nuremberg because, you know, most of what people think they know about, uh, you know, the, the subject, the forbidden subject of, of the six million, uh, where does it come from? You know, it comes from what came, uh, you know, emanated from Nuremberg. So my hat's off to you for the podcast, and uh, how, with what frequency do you produce this uh, program? Three episodes a week, come out Sunday, uh, Tuesday, and Thursday evening, and um, I also have a substack, PeteSubstack.com. I try to do three days a week. Normally I do three days a week, but doing three episodes a week and three writing three times a week and you know, everything else that happens in life, you... Uh, yeah, yeah. Please allow me some slack. I haven't missed. I've only missed one episode of my podcast in the last six years, and that was this week because lightning struck my computer and just basically blew it out. Yeah. And I and I still recorded a little message saying I'm a slacker. I'm sorry. Well, I we put out an episode. We commend week. you for that level of production. That that's no small endeavor to put out that much material. Well, we're coming up on our next break here, and so we will look forward to uh, being back with you here uh, very shortly to continue this broadcast of the political cesspool. <laughs>